0: Welcome to the Think Yourself Healthy Podcast, where we challenge you to think differently about your approach to health and wellness. My name is Heather Duranja, and I'm excited to be here with you to take you on the journey from surviving to thriving. Hello, everybody. On today's show, Think Yourself Healthy Podcast, we have a very special guest. I've been a huge fan of hers on Instagram and following all of her amazing content religiously for quite some time. So I was super stoked when I reached out to her and she was like, yes, I will be on your podcast. So today's guest is Sasha Tazi. She is um, Instagram famous. If you guys aren't following her, you have to head over to her Instagram page at Sasha underscore Tazi, and check her out. Start following her now. You do not want to miss that out. So Sasha is a healer, a hypnotherapist, and a writer. She helps spiritual women with emotional wellness, subconscious rewiring, self-expression, and codependence healing. She is sober nine years and working on her first book, A Memoir. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. So clearly you and I have lots and lots of things in common. Um, We really, you know, embrace the same kind of philosophies and practices in our own lifestyle that we share with our audience. So again, thank you so much for being with us today, Sasha. I truly appreciate it.
1: Uh, Thank you for having me, Heather. It's really good to be here and I love, um, I love, I love having new discussions with new people. I think it took me a while to get back to you. But like once I circled back, um, I, I, was, <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. I was like, yes, I will have this. I will have a conversation with you and jam out. And um, just thank you for inviting me on and all the kind words.
0: Oh, no, my pleasure. Like I said, I'm a big fan of your work. Um, I myself have, you know, a long history with codependent narcissistic relationships. Um my grandmother was the you know the dictionary definition of codependent and she was probably one of the bigger influencers in my life. And so um codependency and narcissism are something that are very passionate. I'm very passionate about. Um also I've done a lot of work with hypnotherapy myself in in order to help with rewiring the subconscious mind. And that in itself really was very beneficial. And I'll share, you know, if we have time, I'll share my little story with you um, around my experience with hypnotherapy. Um, And then also just, you know, the concept of rewiring the subconscious. It's necessary. We have to do the work. So um, these are all things that I am very, very much a fan of. And also, I have a lot of respect and admiration for your nine years of sobriety. I think that that is beautiful. And I do a lot of work with um, drug and substance abuse recovery. So that's another area of passion of mine. So we just have all kinds of things in common. So many common threads.
1: It's yeah. beautiful Because these are, these are issues that are a lot more widespread than people then maybe people think they are and that are getting more attention as time goes on and i think it's i think it's great because it's it's that means that more people are going to be healing right. and with with the awareness that these are actually things and you can do something about them and so it's all good it's all good news we're like we're advancing yeah
0: Well, and I think that also, you know, these kind of subjects, for instance, codependency, narcissism, um, you know, drug and alcohol abuse, these are all um, stigmas that people are shameful of discussing, shameful of admitting that they struggle. And I know for myself with my practice, since quarantine started back in March, um, in the, Rehabilitation community, the amount of um, the skyrocket of people having to check into programs is astronomical. People went into quarantine and literally just lost it and really have turned to alcohol and other substances as a coping mechanism. And you know, as I'm doing my work with these people, it's really interesting. Many of these individuals never drank a drop of alcohol or did a drug in their life until they got quarantined and didn't know how to deal with the circumstances. So a lot of codependency issues that you know take place that we see play out with substance abuse. So um, so anyway, I feel very passionate that these are conversations that we need to normalize. We need to make it okay for individuals to understand that if they're struggling with an addiction or they're struggling with codependency, that it's okay, you're normal and there is hope and help for you um, in order to overcome these circumstances. This doesn't have to be you know, the life path. We can change directions with a little assistance.
1: Yes. Uh, a hundred percent. And I think the way that I like to think about it is to, to take away some of the stigma is that it, these afflictions occur on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. So I think that most, the majority of people fall somewhere on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So it kind of allows, it allows for more normalization. Cause like you can have codependent habits without being a severe codependent. You can have like, there's, there's, there's such a continuum. And I think that when we can see that, like every, everyday people, you can see yourself in people's um, experience who are severe addicts. I don't really use that term, but just for shorthand right now, severe addicts or codependents, you can kind of see yourself because you're like, Oh, I've, I've taken something before and not been able to stop, or I've, you know, tried to control someone else's behavior. I might not classify myself as a hardcore codependent or addict, but like, I can see myself in them. And therefore, like, therefore, it's not so weird. It's not so it's not so like you're over there and we're over here. We're all kind of in this together. And I think the pandemic I mean this was all big deals before the pandemic um and I've been I've been on this you know in the sphere of talking about this for 5 years now but since the pandemic it's only it's only gotten more <laughs> intense and um uh like needing to be looked at and really so I think it's amazing that we get to have this conversation because there's I mean, there's no better time than now.
0: I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to do a thing. I want to take a step back and I want to really dive into codependency. What I find um, is that a lot of individuals don't, they're not even aware that they're falling into those codependent behaviors. So can you kind of talk to the audience about codependency, what codependency actually how to define it, you know, along that spectrum and um, kind of let's let's dive into codependency. Yeah,
1: of course. And I think it's, it's important to break it down and simplify it because you say the word codependency and people are like, I know that's a buzzword, but like, what does it actually mean? Like, what does it actually look like? And so there's many different definitions that you could adopt. I think of it as, um, and- on any given day, I might vary it up a little how I might explain it, but I think of it really just basically as, um, a focus on other people at the expense of yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that can manifest in so many different ways The the codependent behaviors of, let's say people pleasing. So you are, so Someone who's people pleasing is very much, their, their attention is focused on pleasing the other person and you totally forget yourself mm-hmm. in that process.
0: People please, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna, I was gonna ask a question. Um, when it comes to people pleasing specifically with codependency, the, you know, my understanding or my perspective is that with codependency people pleasing, what we're seeking is validation. And so ultimately we're sacrificing all of self in order to meet everybody else's needs to pat ourselves on the back and say, Oh, you sacrificed so much job. Well done. Right. And then we get to to move on and, and go to the next thing. And a lot of people don't see anything wrong with that. So is that problematic? is there is that something to be concerned with um
1: i mean so seeking validation okay so this is where like nuance comes into play because everybody it's a basic human need to to feel like we belong to feel like we're accepted by our peers by our people around us um but i think when you get into a problem is when your validation like Sometimes like my friends validate my feelings, right? So um, I'm getting validation from them. If I am doing that like in, an, in a way that is excessive and over-reliant on them and unable to give it to myself ever, mm-hmm. I think that's where you cross into the line of it being problematic to almost be addicted to other people's approval and validation and really not have any for yourself so like without them who are you so I think there's a balance there that needs to be uh cultivated and found because you can get validation from other people but it's about also being able to give it to yourself and and knowing your intentions like are you doing this because you want are you because the bottom line is that when you people please it's 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 trying to control somebody's somebody's perception of you right so it's not authentic Mm -hmm. so if you can get honest about your intentions of like why am I doing this am I doing this because I want to or because I want them to see me in a positive light or you know I'm afraid of disappointing them or so many different reasons but it's it's getting down to like the root and being honest with yourself about why you're doing the things you're doing. And if you don't know, because, you know, I've worked with a lot of people that are just like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know why I keep doing this. And it's like, as you sit with yourself and as you kind of dive into the self inquiry or what we call the work, Mm -hmm. you will start to know because you just start to learn yourself and, and and pay attention to your patterns, and journal, and work with people that can show you your blind spots, mm-hmm. like coaches, like healers, like group, um, like group uh, situations, therapy programs where you can get feedback from other people. Um, so yeah, I kind of went off on a little bit on a tangent, but that's it. It,
0: it serves a purpose. I, yeah. What I find um, is that I see a lot of resistance from individuals who are people pleasers with being able to allow themselves to set aside the time to do the work because ultimately it's taking away from their ability to do things for others. And they don't value themselves enough. So there's a lot of resistance with. You know, there's that story of, oh, this is selfish if I take the time to do the journaling because I could be baking the cookies to take to Barb's friend, Susie, who's sick, blah, 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 you know. So, so how do you, um, how do you encourage an individual who is so stuck in that people-pleasing behavioral pattern? They're not really recognizing that this is a form of codependency how do they stop? Where where do we, how do we? Well, yeah. I mean, again, like resistance,
1: I think occurs when you're going to make a change, resistance will come in. Right. But like you can have a lot of resistance or a little bit, or, you know, somewhere on that, on that spectrum. And I, my job as, as someone who works with people is to assess their level of resistance. So mm-hmm. if they're like, they have to want to change and and be different and like get uncomfortable. So if they're so resistant that they're not sick, they're not sick enough about this pattern, then there's not a whole lot that I can say to like, so it's interesting the mirror because I come from my own codependency. So my codependency would want me to convince them and you know like sell them on themselves or like just persuade them in a way to you know you have to you have to focus on yourself the bottom line is that like if they're not ready to um to let let go of it and know that that's a messy process and get the help that they need to let go of it then like I don't actually tend to work with those people so I encourage you know, everyone, and everyone's at the place they need to be on their journey. That's just where they are right now. They're, they'll get to a point, I believe, that they are sick enough of their own patterns that they want to just change and they'll do what it takes. Right. So, I mean, that doesn't mean you don't slip back and you don't have resistance. I mean, the clients that I have now, they their patterns come up and their resistance comes up. But ultimately, it's leaning back to the commitment of why you want this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That you can actually be a better friend, a better mother, a better, a more present uh, significant other, wife, um, sister, all employee, boss. When you do stop and take care of yourself first, so it's it's really about reframing a lot of conditioning too around. Somebody asked me the other day, like why are your programs like only for women? And a lot of these issues affect women more predominantly than men because of the, because of the feminine conditioning of being a good girl, being a helper, being a nurturer, being, you know, just saying like men have their own conditioning that they need to rewire from that comes from the culture. But women, it's so intertwined with codependency Mm -hmm. like being a good friend means to be available all the time and not ever like
0: have a boundary right so for me i grew up a very in a very very dysfunctional household with a lot of codependency um And boundaries, I find, typically, there are no boundaries in codependent households. Mm -hmm. And so um, boundaries was something, the concept of boundaries, I didn't even know existed until, you know, the last decade of my life. I didn't even realize that there were such thing as you could say no or, you know, you could, you could, whatever. I I went through a lot, a huge period of my life where I operated out of um, resentment, a lot of resentment, a lot of self-sabotaging, a lot of numbing out through drugs and alcohol and food and um, just really, you know, not not desirable behaviors to try and cope with all of the unknown. I innately. And intuitively, I knew things were wrong. I knew something wasn't right. I knew I wasn't living in alignment. I knew that this just couldn't be it for life. But I had never been exposed to any kind of concepts around trauma, you know, um, codependency and boundaries. And so that was the unknown. But I, I was desperately seeking something different. Does that make sense? A hundred percent.
1: It's like you don't know what you don't know, but right. you know there has to be a better way than this. Right. So I, you're you're seeking, you're seeking,
0: you're seeking, and you're you're desperate. So you keep looking until you find it. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will never forget going to a therapy session and my therapist looking at me and saying. Sounds like you have a strong history of codependency running through the family genetics, and um, your family lacks boundaries. And I was like, "What? What is this? You know, like, what are you talking about?" And, and boundaries um, ultimately have been something that have been life-changing for me. I've really been able to step into my own purpose, my own authenticness. Um, you know, been able to embrace vulnerability and all of those things by having boundaries and being able to establish and practice boundaries um, on a regular basis. And I tend, you know, I think that this boundaries, the concept of boundaries for a codependent is frightening, absolutely frightening. Mm -hmm. So how do you ease someone? How does someone ease into um, starting to practice or form boundaries? It's definitely a learning curve. So you start small. Like,
1: and I, I'm really big on that. Like, I think that breakthroughs, big breakthroughs can happen Mm -hmm. and deep transformation can, can, you can have like a moment of spiritual awakening, But more often than not, it's really about the micro shifts Mm -hmm. and the baby steps that get you that over time with commitment and dedication and yeah, your own commitment to this process Mm -hmm. is what is going to get you to where you want to go. So depending on where the person is, we just take the next step for them. So if it's um, a boundary such as it doesn't even need to go first to saying no. It can be like, okay, for example, their mom calls them all the time or whatever, and they don't feel like they can't not answer. Right. They have to talk to her. So like a boundary there would be just to like, let the phone go to voicemail. Mm -hmm. And if, if, you know, if they don't want to talk to her right now, and uh, there's a lot of women that think they can't do that. Like that's not even... Not they can't do it personally, but, like, that's not allowed. Like, right. you have to answer the phone when your mom calls. Right. But that's an example, just an example offhand of, like, we start where they are, and we just move the needle forward so that they get used to – and it's probably going to come with guilt, but that's the feeling that you that you have to feel and kind of um, – sit in and work through in order for boundaries to become normal. So it's all about like making, and this is something that really ties into hypnosis because it's just about making the unfamiliar familiar. Mm -hmm. So it's just about practice and building the habit of a boundary and starting where you are and taking that next step and then continuing to do that every time.
0: Right. I think I think that as you mentioned, um, the fear, the guilt that comes with initiating that boundary can be really challenging for a lot of people because their cognitive dissonance comes in, they make this decision to take an action step that isn't aligned with their default system. So naturally, the first thing the body wants to do is reject it, right? Like, no, this is not, I have to think about this. What are you doing? It's um, wanting to keep us in that safe, protected space, right? So by not having boundaries, our, our physical being recognizes that as being safe. We avoid conflict, right? If I don't set a boundary, then I don't have to have the conflict. There's no argument. And then I don't have to, you know, explain, defend, whatever. You have to practice grace and compassion and really let go of the judgment because that cognitive dissonance is so deeply embedded in our psychology. We, it's just the natural state of flow that naturally occurs in our brain. So um, anyway, how do you cultivate that self-compassion, the grace, letting go of the judgment in order for one to get into that uncomfortable state, sit there and be able to do it again? I think that knowing that it's going to be messy mm-hmm. and
1: that you're not going to be perfect at it right away or ever mm-hmm. is, is really medicinal. and. Um kind of takes away that shame for like, oh, I didn't do this right. right. Like kind of another reason to beat myself up. Mm-hmm. So just really, really giving giving yourself permission to like it's this paradoxical thing, permission to not get it right and also permission to believe that it's perfect the way it is. Right. And it's happening you're learning exactly what you need to be learning and you're in your process exactly where you need to be. And, um, you know, I lead women back to their bodies. So it's sometimes it's not a, a, a psyche thing as much as a, I mean, okay, we're holistic beings. So it's like mind, body, soul connection, everything's connected, but sometimes my clients just can't get there with the um, mindset piece in that moment. So sometimes it's just about, um, feeling their way into it from their body. So letting kind of like getting into, um, their breathing, doing something kind for them, showing, like showing grace and compassion to their bodies, thereby signaling to their minds that what you just did was, you taking care of yourself and you loving yourself and it's almost like the mood follows the action
0: yeah that's great advice i love that so ultimately we have to be very realistic with ourselves when we start this journey and the expectations that we set um really need to be fluid in the sense that it's not going to go as you know the as society the societal standard of how things are supposed to happen, right? It's going to be quick, it's going to be easy, and it's going to be, you know, extremely beneficial when you get to the other side. But this concept of, of how this happens is like boom, 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 right? But the reality is this takes years and decades. And I think that that's where people get lost is they don't realize that, micro piece of it, those micro steps, those micro goals are what allow them to eventually get over more to that side of feeling wholeness and complete and fulfilled and letting go of the judgment and the shame and the guilt in order to start taking radical responsibility for themselves and moving out of that codependent state and being able to embrace empathy without allowing it to um, go to that unhealthy place, right? Yeah, and that, that's such a good point,
1: Heather, because that reminds me of like, just one of the most essential pieces, I think for anyone listening, it's almost like what I would want you to take away from this episode, which is that anything that you're healing from, whether it's codependency, addiction, um, trauma, all the things, mm-hmm. It's a linear, uh, it's not a linear journey. Right. It's not a linear journey. And, and we have this, um, especially in the media, that there's a lot of amazing accounts, but then there's also accounts on Instagram that, and I may have done this also, like in especially earlier on in my journey of making it seem like it's black and white. Like mm. you, you suffered and now you're all good. Right. Where it's like, no it's it's really a lifestyle change and it's a it's a lifetime commitment to do this work mm-hmm. and as someone who's been in recovery for 9 years and in all like lots of healing from lots of things i'm always doing the work and in my own process and i'm not like i maybe i've gotten to the other side of the way that i was suffering in the beginning mm-hmm. but i have boundary snafus come up today yesterday I will tomorrow like I have you know it it, it's such a fluid thing and so I really want because when we think of it as like I'm sick and I need to heal and it's like black and white then when we're not fully healed we think that we're failing and it's it's just not the case and I I want everybody to really let that sink in that like everything that you do to move forward is progress and your progress is enough. You don't, you're not going to get to the finish line. I'm not either.
0: Absolutely. No, I agree. I think that when we can embrace that, the journey is always going to be a learning growth and healing process. We allow ourselves to have the, the flexibility with the time frame and how we perceive our growth and our success, we're able to um, manage that, I think, more realistically when we approach it from that perspective. Um, So I think that's definitely, you know, important to note. Um, So I'm curious with you, having nine years of sobriety, Do you feel like when you initiated the sobriety process, that's when the spiritual growth and the healing started, or did did that start before the sobriety?
1: I think that I dabbled uh, and was interested in in spiritual concepts and philosophy and, you know, um, psychology well before I got sober. It was just one of my natural passions, something I was drawn to. Um, but I think getting sober was the gateway for it to really open up Mm -hmm. and be kind of the, just, just the access point to, to really diving in because it was then like a domino effect and there was no, since I wasn't going back to abusing substances, um, I could actually make, like really start to build a foundation whereas like when i was so unstable before like i i didn't really follow through on anything i didn't like follow through on many goals i i i got interested in certain um things but it just i didn't take it as far as i could take it like when i when i got sober and i was actually um much more i had much more clarity of purpose i mean it took time also it wasn't like Again, it wasn't like an instant shift. And so, some people do experience a, an instant shift or like a moment of spiritual awakening. Um, and I did not have that. It was more of a gradual, um, incremental,
0: like shifting. And Well, you know, I think it's interesting. We have this thing called the pineal gland, right, in our brain. And this um, really is the component of us that allows us to access... That energetically spiritual piece of who we are, and so what I find is that there's a lot of environmental factors or substances that really calcify that pineal gland, so it really clogs it up and keeps us from being able to access that part of us. So when what I have found through practice, and especially working with you know um, substance abuse populations. Um, as we start to clean up their environment and really um, adding the things, you know, adding the nourishing components that are going to nourish the body, fuel the body, and start removing the substances um, that are calcifying that pineal gland, they start to really embrace that awakening process and start to be they're able to attune with who they are, what their purpose is, what their passions, their desires, their core values. And typically this just, you know, is the doorway that opens to this really super magical life that trans- transpires.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was such a beautiful way to say it all. Um, and that's truly what happens. And it's just, when you think about what like alcohol and other drugs are, I mean, it's poison. So on a very basic, uh, on a very just fundamental level, like we're putting poison in our bodies and then expecting them to function well and like have a connection with our with our spiritual self. And um, there's a, this just popped into my head of like, uh, I wrote a paper in college about the link between mental illness and creativity Mm -hmm. And I remember reading a lot about really high, highly creative people leaned on substances to make them feel more creative. And what I found in sobriety compared to not being in sobriety is that I'm so much, I have such a deeper access to my creativity now. And it's kind of a myth that, that um, substances help you be creative because it's, it's, It severs the connection. Right. And so we can communicate with our bodies and our brains better when they're, as you said, being nourished and being fed the good things. And, like, that includes subtracting the not so good things. Right,
0: right. So, oh my gosh, we could go on so, like, there's so much, like, my brain is literally right now, I'm like, okay, so I want to ask her about this, and I'm like, oh, it's kind of off topic. So I'm going to try and dial it back in, um, because there is so much important stuff that I do want to cover, and I'm thinking we're definitely going to have to have a follow-up to this to dive deeper <laughs> into some of these concepts, especially around the spirituality piece, Um that's you know that's something that I'm really, really passionate about and um, feel so strongly that we need to start making these normal conversations because um, ultimately, you know we're souls that came here to experience specific lessons. We forgot that somewhere between birth and the age eight that we were here on this journey. It got clouded by all of these programs and conditioning and and so ultimately what I find is that, A lot of times people do tend to lean towards wanting to abuse substances because ultimately, innately, they know something isn't right and they just can't put their finger on it. They know they're missing something and ultimately it is that spiritual piece of them that is missing. They don't know how to access it. And it's because these substances are key are the barrier that are keeping us from being able to access that part of ourselves mm-hmm. and when we remove that barrier all of a sudden this beautiful thing happens where we wake up you know and we remember we're like oh my god I remember why I came here. Like everything is happening for me. It's not happening to me. This is exactly where I am supposed to be. These are exactly the lessons I am supposed to learn. Letting go from the outcomes, detaching from these expectations. It's so fucking powerful. It's like, oh my God. And the reality is, it feels so simple when you get to this place. But trying to get there is where it's like overwhelming because there's just so much information and so many different pathways and tools and and things that we can utilize. So I want to take this and I want to go into hypnotherapy because I know we don't have a whole lot of time. Um, I think that one of the tools that can be really beneficial and save a lot of people time and frustration is to dive straight into hypnotherapy. So I was very reluctant. I was kind of like on the fence in terms of like, yeah, does this shit really work? Like, "Mm, how, how are they going to get in my subconscious and help me rewire? Like, right. And so, um, (laughs) that was like literally one of the very last pieces to the puzzle that I put into place was the hypnotherapy part. And so, um, I, I, I reached out to um, a person that I had had some interest in and she was quite pricey, but I was like, you know, I got to try this. And so I set up my, my, you know, uh, stuff with her and ultimately it really was that piece that allowed me to break through and release a lot of the uh, limiting beliefs that I was holding on to and stories that were keeping me from being able to access my higher self, higher parts of me that I wanted to really be able to tap into. And so it was beautiful. And in my situation, in my circumstances, um, we used essential oils, a sense. So a flavor to connect with my subconscious brain. And now whenever I smell, so my for me, it was orange. So now whenever I smell that orange, I immediately step into like the most fierce, part of myself like that super empowered powerful female that is embracing her divine feminine and it's just like and all it takes is just me like oh yeah oh yeah that's who i am and really allow her to shine and i really do um owe that to that part uh the hypnotherapy part of being able to get in there and do the work that I was just blocking myself from being able to do. So let's talk about it. Oh my
1: God. First of all, that's so cool about the orange and con- sense of smell is so powerful that connect- connecting that new identity to your, uh-huh.
0: holy moly. Like, do you just wear orange all day long? It depends because I don't always want to feel fierce. You know, sometimes I, I don't want to feel fierce and I want to kind of just go within and be more chill. Uh, yeah but when I really am struggling, so I'm a Leo and I tend to be an extrovert. So for me, it's really easy to kind of get out there and put myself out there. But sometimes there's still like, it's not super comfortable, right? Like it's, you still have the insecurities and all of that. And I had some stage stuff, like some public speaking that was coming up, some pretty big stuff. And, um, I was really blocking myself from being able to just step up and show up as Heather. Like I was still trying to be something that I knew I wasn't, that I thought I was supposed to, and it didn't feel right. And so I couldn't do it. Does that make sense? Of course. So anyway, um, that hypnotherapy piece really helped me blow through those barriers. So whenever I'm recording a program or something that I really am passionate about, but maybe my energy isn't quite matching. There's still some sort of insecurity or imposter syndrome or something that's playing in the background. I'll pull that orange out and then it's like, oh yeah. Incredible. I, I am. I, I'm a Leo too. When is your birthday? The fifth.
1: Oh my God, mine's the fourth. You're kidding me. That's amazing. That's awesome. Well, happy I love a Leo. birthday. Happy birthday to you, too. We're the best. Leo's yes. seriously amazing.
0: Um, I just turned 40, 44, so um, it was really exciting for me to be celebrating my 44th birthday. Um, I'm I'm just, I love life. I'm so, I just, this journey is amazing. Holy shit. And it's a uh, double number,
1: so. Yes, it's an angel, it's like, like I'm like. It's number. Number. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Okay. So hypnotherapy, where should I start with that?
0: I mean. Well, I think that a lot of people are resistant to doing hypnotherapy because they think it's like that quackery. It's that, you know, that woo woo. Right. It doesn't work. Right. Right. So yeah,
1: I mean, it's definitely an alternative, but if you are into any kind of energy healing, Mm -hmm. it's it's totally up there and it's a it's a mind it's it's mind body medicine Mm. like mind body soul medicine 100 percent and i what's interesting about how i came onto it is that i wasn't looking for it and i had a friend who um reached out to me and was like hey do you want do you want a hypnosis session and i i was just so open that i was like sure why not like i didn't have any expectations at all. And I didn't really have any, um, like skepticism about it actually. Like I know a lot of people do feel like I did. I'm not going to lie. I did. I went in. And that's so cool that you, that you went for anyway. Like I, I was just like kind of a, um, blank slate, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, it was such a profound experience and I had been, you know, in talk therapy and in every different kind of like modality that, of healing, yeah. And over so long, like yeah. over a decade and a half, that I was just like, what I experienced in one session with her was so profound that I was like, "Holy shit! I need to go get trained in this so I can add it to my practice." That's and
0: beautiful.
1: That's how it. Like I was just like, it was. I signed up for training. I went, I came home, I added it to my coaching. So now like my packages are coaching and hypnotherapy. And um, it's just, if we think about the statistics of our subconscious is drives 95 to 99% of our behavior Mm -hmm. to not look at it. Right, It's, like, really, really, like, irresponsible. So I I just encourage people to, like, open their mind and give it a try. Like, don't – one of those things of, like, don't knock it until you try it. Because um, the way that I work with people is, is um, regressing them back to childhood memories. And so once they're in the hypnotic state, in the trance state, it's so much – easier to to like our brains are very malleable Mm -hmm. and it's so much easier to um mold your brain when you're in that state of relaxation and your defenses are down and you're not using your logic Mm -hmm. like if we think about talk therapy and I love talk therapy I'm not I'm not hating on it I love coaching I'm not hating on it but it's these two in conjunction, the conscious work and the subconscious work, it's blend, it's merging your emotional body and your logical body, your intellectual mind. So most of us in the world stay so much in our intellectual mind and we try to figure things out and analyze and logicalize and, and it's, it's, I exactly, and it's just the shift of getting dropping into your body that's what that's why the the really powerful piece about it that works is that when you can drop into your body and get out of that um those brainwaves and have your you can really be open to suggestion mm-hmm. and that's when you can change the programs that have been running in the background for so long and Influencing all of your decisions, but you didn't even know because it's your subconscious right below awareness, right?
0: Yeah. So
1: it's like honestly, it's like just the coolest thing ever. I'm so, um, I'm I it really was also it's funny that you said it was like the missing piece, it was because that's how I felt like when I found it and I had tried so many different things, and that's the last thing that I got certified in in 2018. Because I haven't felt the need to like add another thing not that not right. that certifications are wrong or whatever but you know how you do that thing where it's like I need to find the I need to find the the magic the magic the magic well I haven't felt the need to like
0: right so you're still embracing the magic so you know it's funny because I purchased a package so um I worked with this woman. Her name was Katherine Darris. She was fabulous, very different from other hypnotherapists that I had encounter, encountered her methods are, I, I would say her practice style is more similar to yours. And um, I felt comfortable with that. It was, you know, enticing to me. And so I purchased a package and I'm thinking, oh God, this isn't going to be enough. You know, I'm going to still have to buy more. And I ended up only using one of my sessions. So seriously, I still have a bunch of sessions that I haven't used because that initial session did exactly what I needed it to do. And funny enough, I have tried so hard to talk myself out, like calling it bullshit, that the hypnotherapy was bullshit, that it really did not work. And I can't, no matter how many times I try to convince myself that that part of me has not been trans trans uh what's what 's the word like transformed yeah yeah i can 't like no matter how many times I try to convince myself that it didn 't work i 'm like Mm-mm. <laughs> here I am, <laughs> smell that orange yeah you're i mean you can 't argue with it because you I, have the proof yeah. to- i I feel very very strongly about the modality of hypnotherapy and its ability to really assist with healing the subconscious mind and helping us overcome those little nagging pieces that you know we've been trying to chip away so so hard um if you're you know if you're skeptical like i was if you're not really sure i encourage you guys you know reach out to me ask me questions about my experience reach out to sasha um, and just do it what do you have to lose that's the place i got to i've tried everything what more do I have to lose? What can it hurt? And then it just so happened to be the piece that, like, clicked it all together, integrated things. Yeah. Oh, I love your story. Thank yeah, you. Story. So beautiful. Well, my goodness, I hate that our time has quickly gone by. Um, again, I think that you and I have a lot to chat about. So I appreciate you taking the time today to share your knowledge and expertise with the audience. So where can everyone find you? Yeah, um,
1: Instagram. I'm on there so much. So you'd mentioned Sasha underscore Tazi. um, And that's where in my bio, you have all my links to link them all in the show notes so it'll make it easy for everyone yeah just um I have a free audio uh audio hypnosis on my website you can sign up for that all the all the things there and if you if you have any questions like feel free to email me fabulous um and this was so lovely this is such a lovely way to like have a have my Friday. um. Uh,
0: I agree. I woke up just stoked. So excited. I'm like, I I feel like I don't know you personally, but I feel like I do know you. And I feel there's like this um, connection amongst us that there's a soulful connection that we just reunited, (laughs) I guess is the best thing. the Leo thing, I swear. It it is, definitely. (laughs) Um, Real quick, I want to ask you, is your free audio meditation, is that like a guided hypnotherapy meditation or is it more of a a traditional kind of, you know, meditation? It's a bit more uh, traditional, but it has elements
1: from like hypnosis and NLP. Um, But I see meditation and hypnosis very much similarly. I agree. Um, But just the approach can be different. So yeah, I would say it's it's more of like a guided meditation. Okay, perfect, awesome. Mm -hmm.
0: Can I ask you a question? Have you ever asked yourself, why can't I stick with it? Do you often get stuck in cycles of trying to make changes for a healthier life, but then end up right back where you started? I wanna introduce you to my eight week coaching program, Retrain Your Brain designed to help you break emotional patterns, stop self-sabotage, and develop conscious behaviors for a healthy lifestyle. Enrollment for the next program is officially open. We start October 28th. And if you head to heatherduranga.com or find the link in the show notes, you can use the code HEAL25 until October 3rd to get 25% discount on the program. This program is the roadmap to expanding your health, happiness, and consciousness. If you're tired of starting over, or you have been on a healing journey for a while, but you feel stuck, then come join me in the program. If you're ready to build better beliefs, overcome chronic stress, anxiety, and depression, release the attachment to your pain and heal your subconscious mind to stop self-sabotage so you can truly thrive, then this is the program for you. Click the link in the show notes or go to heatherduranja.com com to register and make sure you use the code HEAL25 to get 25% off until October 3rd. Thanks for joining us on the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Make sure you leave a review and let me know what you think. I love reading your feedback. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Heather Duranja and don't forget to take a screenshot that you're listening to the podcast and tag me. I love to share it. See you on the next episode.